so I want to take you to a memory of mine because there is an attitude of Advent anticipation that I want to capture this morning. And when thinking through it, I was brought to a memory of when I was maybe 10 or 11 in our Christmas Eve service in Virginia. And it was finally my year where I got to pick up a real candle from the basket instead of the electric ones. It was a big deal. Um, so I was already really excited. I had been prepped in the car that I got to hold the candle. I had to be careful, but this was my year. Um, so I grab the candle, and we walk in, and I just remember the room was dimly lit. Um, there was candles up at the front, candles, you know, and lighting along, but not the normal lighting in a church service. And as I walked into the room, like, my excitement grew. Uh, the music was different. Um, it was worshipful. It was joyous. Um, there was anticipation in the music. And then the moment came when we got to start sharing the light of our candles with those in the rows next to us. And as a child, I remember the excitement and anticipation I felt as the dimly lit room started to glow a little bit more. You were watching, you were waiting, the candle was coming. And then you knew once everybody's candle was lit, we would get to sing and we would get to worship. That is the spirit of anticipation that I wanted to capture today. Um, another picture I got was this quiet awe in the stable when Jesus was born. Um, this, this normally very average location having a stillness and a sense of wonder in it because the Savior of the world was just born. Um, I imagine not only were Mary and Joseph um, filled with awe and wonder, but even the animals had a sense that something was different in this moment. Something had changed. Something had been initiated because the Savior of the world had been born. Those are the two pictures um, that kept coming to my head when I thought of a holy anticipation of Advent season. Um, and I believe that this anticipation we see played out in early Jewish believers who lived their lives in anticipation of the Messiah. Um, the years and years of longing fulfilled in that one first cry of Jesus on the night of his birth. Um, the moment that the stars shone in the sky and the angels glorified the Lord, knowing that years of longing had come to fruition. Um, all of this, the spirit, is what I'm entering into, what I'm talking to today. Um, the manifestation of the coming kingdom began in that moment, and today, even though we long for its consummation, we also live in anticipation of its promises today, here, and now. And that is what I want to capture. I want to capture the anticipation that the word has told us we can have as believers because his kingdom is here. So um, if you look at our values as a church, at the very end section of kingdom, it states that we celebrate every manifestation of the kingdom's rule in every sphere of life where wrong is being made right. This means the gospel tabernacle as a body acknowledges that we have the privilege and call to sustain a holy anticipation for the kingdom breakthrough here on earth 
It's fully realized in heaven, but we anticipate it here breaking in on earth. Advent season then for us serves as a reminder, not an isolated season, of the anticipation we share because of Christ. This is our privilege to share year-round, and Advent season brings us into that moment. So now when I have that memory of that Advent service, of that, I think it was Christmas Eve, like I am reminded of the privilege I have to sustain that anticipation day to day here on earth. Um, so today we will focus on Matthew 6.10. Um, this is the portion of the Lord's instructions to his disciples on prayer. They are taught to petition for the manifestation of the kingdom on earth. They are taught to appeal for what is happening in its fullness in heaven to dip down into our earthly experience. For the kingdom to manifest and right the wrongs experienced through the rule of the kingdom of darkness. So um, traditionally, um, we have read your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But I also wanted to put this one up on the screen today. Um, manifest your kingdom realm and cause your every purpose to be fulfilled on earth just as it is fulfilled in heaven. Um, there, was, there was a power in that word manifest that I wanted to capture with us today. Um, and when we look back at each prophetic word and promise that was fulfilled at the time of Christ's birth, we also look forward to this, which is why this is our cry and our prayer. Um, the context of this passage, Matthew, Matthew's gospel records it in the middle of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Uh, the sermon is for Jesus' disciples, as I said. And in chapter 6, he is teaching about the spiritual practices or values um, they should have. Verse 10 contains the second petition of this prayer. The first being, hallowed be thy name. Um, the second being, um, your kingdom come or manifest your kingdom realm. So there is a concept that kept coming into my head um, in worship when preparing this. Because when I ask for the Lord's kingdom to come, I'm one acknowledging an eternally holy and sovereign king that already reigns. Um, so the fact that I can call forth a kingdom means there is a king, and he is eternal, and he is all-powerful. And then I'm also asking for the manifestation of a kingdom that was ushered in by Jesus. So it has come, and its kingdom purposes were accomplished on the cross, and it was ushered in through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. So it is not on me to ask for this, this kingdom has come. While we wait, we still know it has already been ushered in by Jesus. That's not on us. Um, so I'm acknowledging an eternal king. I'm acknowledging a kingdom that is already here and not yet. And so now I am longing to see what has been promised to me, which is that which is in heaven here on earth, that which I know is true and full up there, come here now. Lord, let your kingdom come here on earth. Um, godly Jews were waiting and longing for the kingdom of God to be established as the consolation of Israel. The Lord's Prayer is sometimes uh, compared to the Jewish recitation of the Kaddish. Um, this prayer is still recited today 
in its original language of Aramaic. It began as a prayer recited after scholarly discourse. So whenever someone would give a, a spiritual discourse, they would recite this prayer. Um, it was thought to have originated in temple times, and it was recited at the end um, of the learned discourse. As time progressed, it became an important part of traditional Jewish services, and today it is also a very intricate portion of a Jewish funeral and mourning process. Um, the Kaddish is a vigorous declaration of faith. It is one of the most beautiful, deeply significant, and spiritually moving prayers in the Jewish liturgy. Its recitation is no longer limited to scholarly discourse. It finds a prominent place in traditional Jewish service, being recited no less than 13 times, as well as holding an important role during mourning. Um, and it is a prayer that is so closely aligned with the Lord's Prayer, it acknowledges the Lord's holiness. It brings the person praying into worship of who God is despite current circumstances, despite the context in which the prayer is being recited, because often it's being recited at a funeral. And it brings, it calls a response of the individual to say, holy God, you are holy regardless of what is in front of me. And then the part that most closely mirrors Matthew 6 is this. May he establish his kingdom in your lifetime during your day. So over and over and over again in a Jewish service, you will hear the recitation of them honoring the Lord and asking for his kingdom to be established in their day. There is a main difference between this prayer and the prayer that we pray in the Lord's Prayer. Um, faithful Jews were longing and waiting for the kingdom of God to be ushered in. However, the reader of Matthew's gospel, while looking forward to the consummation of the kingdom, perceives that the kingdom has already broken in and prays for its extension, as well as for its unqualified manifestation. My longing for the kingdom here on earth is full of hope. It is not one where I'm longing for something that I don't know if it's going to come in my day. I know the Lord's kingdom will manifest here on earth today. Um, the word unqualified, without reservation or limitation. So I am not putting a box on what the Lord's kingdom can do here on earth today. Um, we confidently seek the kingdom in its fullness as revealed to us without the need for any qualifications, reservation, or limitation. This makes me think of the temptation to use the phrase, if it is your will, in prayer, um, to buffer our fear of what's to come. Um, oftentimes, I can pray boldly and then follow it up by saying, if it's your will. Um, and that's not calling forth God's purposes. That's protecting myself from my fear of what is to come. Um, but while this statement alone honors the Lord's will, it is not confidence in his already established kingdom to come. There is a mysteriousness in the purposes of the Lord and a vastness in his purposes. But I do not have to fear the result of me asking the Lord's kingdom to come here on earth. Um, we confidently speak of the kingdom of God because it was inaugurated by Christ. It is already manifest. Um, now some limit the manifestations of uh, the kingdom here on earth to salvation. However, um, 
it's clear in scripture, if we look at Luke 7, 22, let me find it here. Uh, we'll jump back to 20. When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, are you the one who has to come or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits, and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Jesus' declaration of the one to come, the kingdom that he ushered in, included all of those things. Not just freedom and deliverance from sin, but the healing of the lame, the preaching of the poor to the gospel, blind people receiving their sight. So our category of what the kingdom is here on earth is made broad by Christ's life and his ministry here on earth. The kingdom we are speaking for has present manifestations, and I love this. This is, this is not me. Future cataclysmic coming. I love that word, cataclysmic. Um, we sit here and we invite knowing this, this fullness is coming, this, this glorious, beautiful fullness of the kingdom is coming. We know it is here but we know it is not fully realized, which is why our longing as a body comes. This reminds us of our communion practice at the Gospel Tabernacle. At the table, we acknowledge what was done at the cross, what was accomplished, what was defeated, what we have victory over, sin and death. Yet at the end, we often say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. So while we can celebrate, we also say, Lord, we know, we know, and we don't know the fullness and the beauty of your kingdom fully realized. So come quickly, Lord Jesus. Now the second portion of this verse, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, or cause your every purpose to be fulfilled. This portion of prayer is linked with this previous one for his kingdom to come because wherever the kingdom of God manifests, God's will is experienced. It is a call for us to be able to experience a taste of what is in heaven. So when I invite kingdom to manifest, God's will and purposes are accomplished. So when I invite his presence and someone is healed, God's will has been done here on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus' greatest act of obedience came at the complete submission of God, his, to God's will. So he ushered in the kingdom... And God's will was done through his death and resurrection. And us, as followers of Jesus, are a present, living testimony to the world that God's will can be experienced today. So it is linked to his kingdom, his will, and his purposes. It was completed in perfect obedience by Christ. And it is our present testimony that it still happens today. The gospel itself is the announcement that God's promised rule has now begun in and through the work of Jesus the Messiah. So we, as the disciples, are encouraged to pray that what has begun in Jesus' ministry, we now participate in and may be experienced in its fullness um, when his kingdom comes. We are called to sustain 
to sustain a holy and faith-filled anticipation of kingdom breakthrough here on earth. We are to be so intimately connected and aware of the kingdom of heaven that when we come into contact with anything that is not of the kingdom of heaven, we are engaged to pursue that and we are engaged to call forth the manifestation of the kingdom in that place. This is not the longing of the Jewish people because our Messiah has come. This is the confident application of what we already know to be true to come to us today. The task of bringing the kingdom is accomplished. Jesus did it. The burden was born on the cross, fully realized through his life, death, and resurrection. Therefore, our faithful duty is to call it forth in greater realization until its full consummation in Christ occurs. So what does that look like for us? I think of that spirit of anticipation I touched on in the beginning. Um... These things that have been purchased for us on the cross, the evidences of the kingdom, have been accomplished through the blood of Jesus. What we ask for has been bought with his blood. And it has been made available to us on earth. Therefore, not only do we have this anticipation, this privilege, this call, but we have the authority to petition the manifestation here on earth. Um, recently in our missional community, we have been talking about the places that the Lord has brought us, the people that the Lord has brought us today in our workplaces, in our jobs, in our families, in our friendships. And the things that we can declare over those spaces that have already been accomplished on the cross, that I can go into a place and declare that the kingdom of darkness is not welcome and invite the manifestation of the kingdom of light. Um, we must call the kingdom to manifest in their place. And I don't want to act as though when I say a spirit of anticipation, there is not also with it weariness. There is not also with it times of grief. That there is also not with it um, times of wondering what exactly the kingdom on earth looks like in this situation. Because friends, we know that there is weariness in the perseverance of the kingdom. It does not mean, mean that we know the fullness of what kingdom manifest looks like. But it does mean that as a faithful follower of God, sometimes riding on the faith of my brothers and sisters around me when my faith feels weary, um, that I can walk into a room into a battlefield, in the places that the Lord has put me, and say, anxiety, you are not welcome here. Addiction, you are not welcome here. Sickness, you are not welcome here. Fear, you are not welcome here. Isolation, you are not welcome here. Pride, you are not welcome here. Abuse, you are not welcome here. Depression, you are not welcome here. And shame, you are not welcome here. These are not of the kingdom of heaven, and therefore it is not welcome here. And manifest in its place the peace that surpasses all understanding, the freedom of Christ Jesus, that wounds be bound by the healer, the perfect love of the Father, 
the body of Christ where there was isolation, the humility that draws the eyes of the Lord in place of pride, the encampment of the angel of the Lord where there is abuse and shame, and the radiance in Christ over shame and the fullness of joy where there was depression. This is where we are calling the kingdom of the Lord to manifest, and I believe today that the Lord is identifying places where the kingdom of darkness has taken hold in our lives, and we are to call the manifestation of the kingdom there. I also believe that the Lord has declarations over your homes, families, and workplaces, and neighborhoods, places where the toxic, hopeless, defeating lies of the kingdom have taken up residence around you. As a faithful disciple, you have all the power and authority to call forth the manifestation of the kingdom in those places. Where there is fatherlessness, manifest the perfect and loving heavenly father and be embraced. Where there is fear and insecurity, meet the fullness of identity found in Christ and be free. Where there are religious spirits, encounter the humble servant, your King Jesus, and flee. Where there is infatuation with the world, manifest eternal significance and receive inheritance of the kingdom of God. This is what is to be declared over the places the Lord has brought you. Our king is fully sovereign, and he reigns eternally. The kingdom has already come, and we have a longing for the kingdom manifest that is full of hope. When I pray for anxiety to flee, I know God is my healer, and I know his perfect love and his peace can come in its place. I don't have to wonder because he, he bought that at the cross. And we have the holy awe and anticipation of the Advent season to live in eternally, knowing his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 